you're listening to the Way Community Church Lakeland podcast, where our mission is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope this message from our weekend service encourages you in your walk with the Lord. And now, here's the message. Series, this is the way. Uh, if you are a fan of Mandalorian, um, then uh, they stole uh, our slogan. This is our, it was ours first. This is the way. We're taking it back. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This is the way, community church. And uh, you need to know. What we're doing in this series is explain to you the vision of our church. Uh, to know God, to find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And my wife reminds me that this isn't like a step-by-step process. In fact, in life, in Christianity, some of us are making a difference before we know God. Some of us uh, know God but have not yet found freedom. Some of us know our purpose but are struggling in our relationship to know Him deeper. And uh, we want you to know that these are all things that we never graduate from. We're always knowing God. We're always seeking more freedom. We're always trying to ask God, what is the next step in the purpose and the call of God in our life? And today we're talking about making a difference, and uh, I'm pretty jazzed up about it. Yesterday, uh, we went out. Over 100 of y'all answered the call to come with me. We counted all the heads that were down here on the stage, and we took the photo. Crazy. 100 people from the Wake Community Church out there invading. It's like, come on, let's go, somebody. It was cool, man. Anyways, uh, we broke up into five different places. We went into uh, uh, restaurants and blessed some servers. Uh, We went into the neighborhood community that we're at every Saturday and just loved them, man. Kyle uh, tore it up yesterday, man. Kyle, you were so good, man. Anyways, we were out there loving on the community, and it was so good to see so many people respond to the gospel at 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 Bonnie Springs and uh, uh, different places. Downtown at the Lighthouse uh, with the homeless and um, there's one other thing we did. What did we do? Nursing homes. There you go. That was the one. Uh, Thank you. You're you're awesome. You're the best. Everyone else, boo. You. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, Cool. Hey, anyways, uh, it was really cool. Uh, It it just impresses me to see our church, how engaged this church is. And it really just means to me that you guys have caught the vision of the church. And so um, it really, it, it, I probably don't need to say this, but what I know is that when you value something or you really want to accomplish this task, you repeat it over and often and over and often. And so, uh, you know, we, we, we care about redundancy and we want to do more and more of it. And so... Um, we want to make a difference in the world. I'm so thankful. Uh, two weeks ago, we went to Guatemala, and people said, yes, Lord, I'll go. I'm so thankful to see uh, we have so many people involved on a weekly basis, involved in our church, just to make service happen. Uh, people that show up here at 730 in the morning and say, yes, Lord, here I am, Lord, send me. Whatever I can do, I just want to be a blessing. And so I just want you to know, as your pastor, you make it easy for me to serve because of how much, how engaged you are in your faith, trying to make a difference in other people's lives. And so with that being said, would you all stand to your feet with me for the reading of God's word today? This is the mission statement of our church, if you will. And uh, it's, I don't know, probably one of the most rad things that Jesus said that changed my life. This is Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. This is the Great Commission. And it said this way, Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. I love that. Let's pray. Jesus, help. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Thank you. Man, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Holy Spirit. If you've not been baptized in water, you can sign up on the app. We want to get you baptized, man. We want to tell the world that you belong to Jesus. Amen. So nothing cooler than seeing baptisms. Man, I love it, love it, love it. And some of you, you've not been baptized since you've been serving Jesus. And it's important, man. If you lived a life of sin that all of your friends know, man, we'll take that photo, help you blast it on Facebook. You can invite all your friends and enemies and everyone, coworkers, to, to watch you be baptized. It'd be awesome. Jesus said to go and make disciples. He didn't say to go to make Christians. And, uh, and I think as we look at, at American Christianity, it's important that we recognize that while I look at America and see darkness, the large majority of America still considers themselves Christians. And I scratch my head and wonder, what is happening? How is it possible that this kind of darkness is happening in the earth if, if all of these people are, are following Jesus? And what I realize, there's a big difference between someone who professes to believe in Jesus and someone who has dedicated their life to following him. And so we've made it our goal not to make Christians, but to make disciples. We want people that, uh, we want to teach people how to seek him, how to study Jesus, how to study the word, how to seek after the Holy Spirit, how to worship, how to share our faith. Like we want people that are all in. And I'm proud of our church for being that kind of radical believer. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. What does it look like to go for the Lord? We're talking today about making impact, how to make a difference with the gospel of Jesus. I got overexcited in the first service, and so I'm doing everything I can to just kind of simmer down a little bit. That's what I'm just kind of simmer down now, simmer down now. Go and make disciples. I um, what I know is that one of the differences between a lot of us is that we've not learned how to go or not learned a lifestyle to go. And so today, I want to encourage you to go. Um, join a connect group in our church. Join uh, a serve team in our church. Come with us this Saturday as we go uh, to the community and love folks. Come to Noah's Ark. Come. Come to the Blessings of Hope Food Pantry. Come go and make a difference. Like the world is getting darker. Someone quoted once something that is on my notes here. I forget what it was. Um, that's a really good quote. And y'all need to pray for your pastor. He's struggling. E- evil prospers when good people do nothing. And... Um, I can't help but think that the world's getting darker. Why isn't the church getting brighter? And we have gotten good at this version of Christianity called entertaining, where you come to church, the pastor does Christianity for you. And the larger that churches get, the more the staff does all the work. And what we want to do, you understand that the gospel, the Bible says that, that it's my job to actually equip the saints to do ministry. So today I want to teach a little bit on how you should do ministry and what it should look like. There's 
a problem with the Great Commission to go and make disciples that's happening. I find it in the Old Testament, just in several places, as the Lord would say to his people, who will go? Several times he said, who will, who will stand in the gap and pray? In, in the book of Isaiah, it said Isaiah's having an encounter. He's knowing God. He's having a vision. He's seeing the Lord on his throne high and lifted up. Isaiah chapter 6 says, and in verse 8, the Lord speaks out over, over the earth. And he says, who, then I heard the Lord asking, who should I send as a messenger to the people and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, Lord, send me. I want you to know that in the heart of God, if you're, if you're seeking the Lord and you're growing closer to him, one of the things that's important for you to know is now how you respond to the love that God has moved in your life. It is really important before we move forward. We are talking about works today. And this gets a little dicey. Some people get confused in their, in their theology when you become a believer, there is nothing you ever have to do for Jesus. He loves you as you are, accepts you as you are. He, you, you are born again, not by anything you will ever do for the Lord. But because he has moved in your life, we have a responsibility to the gospel. And it's really important that you understand that when I, I don't, like, like, because I love my wife, I have the opportunity to do these things. Because I love my children. When you love something, we can all see it in your life because of the things and the actions that's coming out of you. Does this make sense? And so what am I, my big question today is, what does it look like for you today to go? To go. There's a story about a young lady who lived in South Korea. She would knock on doors every week, um, like they used to do. Remember when people used to knock on doors and go and share their faith? We do it every Saturday here in the neighborhood. This lady would knock on this guy's door, and he, young man was young, and they got to know each other, and he was a Buddhist, a devout Buddhist, and he would push her away, and uh, he became ill, and she would come back to the house again and again. Well, he got so ill, and she would come consistently to the point where uh, he couldn't get off the couch anymore. He was dying of, of tuberculosis. And she knew he was ill, and so she would just help herself into his house and squat next to the couch and pray over him. One day, he decided that he would just allow Jesus, he would say the prayer just to be nice to her, to accept Jesus as her Lord, his Lord and Savior, and she gave him her Bible. And she said, Mr., if you read this Bible and you seek Jesus, he will reveal himself to you in a powerful way. That girl's consistency found her way into that dude's life in a dark moment. The Lord did reveal himself to him with crazy visions. Actually, Jesus came to him a lot like what's happening throughout the earth right now. Muslims and many different people having visions of Jesus in the middle of the night. They can't deny that he's Lord because he's revealing himself to so many people. Same way he did to this young man who was dying of tuberculosis at the age of 19. He started reading the Bible, and he started going to Bible school, and the, he, he would say that he, was, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and God began to change his life more and more and more. After going to Bible school, he started a church, 200, 300, 400 people coming, and then the fire of God breathed on it, and this young man ended up being the pastor of a church over 300, 400, 
600,000 people in South Korea. His name now we know is Dr. Cho. And it all was because of a young girl willing to be consistently obedient with the little things. You don't have to go to the nations, but you do have to go. And you do have to be consistent when God says, I'm sending you. There's a call of God on your life that your pastor can't fulfill. Now, only you can do, but it starts with having a heart for other people other than yourself. If you've been born again and you understand that Jesus loves you and he died on a cross because you needed him, because you were a sinner and you needed saving and now you understand that God loves me and he's faithful, fantastic. Now I need you to know a powerful prophetic message. It's not about you anymore. It's now in the heart of God that you would understand that it is now all about those. We have a saying that we talk about almost all the time behind, our, behind, behind your back and our staff and amongst our serve teams. It says that we live with eternity in mind. Do you understand the concept of eternity? It's March right now, and uh, I don't know why, but um, Google has a way, and Facebook and our phones have a way of reminding us all the things, you know. And they chase us down. And years ago, we used to have passes, our family, to, uh, to Disney. And uh, we had some good times there. And it's reminding me, you know, you should buy passes again to Disney. And, um, Teresa and I were talking just the other day about some of the memories because of all the messages we're getting. And uh, there was this time where we had come out of the um, show Beauty and the Beast. I don't know if you've ever seen it. But they have these, um, they, whenever a show gets out, it's like, 80,000 people get up and walk out of a building, and you get to walk this fast. And so uh, we had seen, like, an escape route that no one else was going, and we kind of hit out this, like, escape door, and we're walking down this path, and this little boy came, tears running down his face, screaming, and um, he says, I can't find my mommy. I can't find my mommy. I can't find my mommy. Teresa is so good. Um, she ran to him, and uh, she's, she got down, and she's holding May, and she, she's looking him in the eyes, and she says, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And she says, let me introduce you to, to my family. We're going to find your mommy. And she doesn't introduce him to me at all because I'd probably just scare the kid, you know, like, ah, stranger. You know? But she's introduced him to Micah and Mia, and the kid starts getting a little bit kind of easier, and we walk him up to the staff, and, and they all, there's like six staff members that all come over with radios, and they reassure us that they have this policy that all these staff members are going to stay with them, and, and, uh, and it's pretty cool. But, and so they ask us to go ahead and leave, and, and man, it was so hard to leave knowing this little kid was, was, was scared. And I remember we're, at, we're, we're, we're leaving the park now, and... Um, as on our way out, we're just looking like everywhere we can go for someone like that's distraught, you know, like someone, like there's gotta be someone looking for this kid. And it's like, how can we leave right now? You know? And it was so difficult. And as we're walking out, it was really cool. At the entrance, there was like a post station and there was a woman with two other kids and she was weeping like, um, uncontrollably. And uh, Teresa beelined it over for the lady and threw her arms around her. And, and she was the one that got to break the news to her. We found your son. We know where he is. And, um, and then the radio kind of went off. And there was someone else that said, but it was special because we got to see the kid and see the mom. 
And uh, I just know that like it, the, the brokenness that I felt that day, there's something real that is happening in the heart of God that we have to figure out how to dial into. Will you go for me? When he says, like, who will go, you need to know that there's a large part of the body of Christ that has never gone. There's a large part of the body of Christ that hasn't shared their faith in years. And today, I want you to know that I believe that the hands and feet of Jesus is, like, reaching out to you. He wants to use you to make a difference in this world. In a significant way, you can make impact. Now, there's this chapter in the Bible, it's one of my favorites, it's um, in Hebrews chapter 11, and it, it talks about how um, w- there's a nickname for this chapter that Christians have, and it's called the Hall of Faith. It's one of the most special chapters in the Bible, you should check it out, especially if you're having a hard time reading the Bible. And in this chapter, they explain all of the heroes of the faith, the patriarchs from Abraham and Noah and Samson and all these great David. And and he explains all these things that these people did by faith. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham offered his son to the Lord. By faith, this person did this. And I just wonder today as we they are patriarchs because of the things that they've done by faith what has our faith accomplished today what is your faith doing now when it starts off that chapter it says in hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 the very first word it, it says now faith is the substance of things hoped for it's the evidence of things not seen it's a substance faith is something tangible. It's a belief, but it is a belief so real that you can touch it. It's a belief so real that you can almost use it to make an impact in somebody's life. My faith was designed to influence your life. Your faith was designed to influence my life. Our faith was designed to make impact. Influence. Again and again, all these people accomplished things because they believed that God was alive and real and powerful and wanted to move in each other's lives. And so they believed and trusted in the promise of God. What do you know that God wants to do Again and again and again. What promises do you know that he's capable of doing in the lives of a stranger or in a coworker or in a family member? Because it's our job to be the people that will go into all the nations and go to work tomorrow and go to our family with a message that he is faithful and that he is able and that he can do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. Our faith is a substance that was designed to impact people. Other people should feel your faith. What What I want you to know is like, has anyone around you been influenced by your faith I beg you to answer the call who will go for me Hebrews it would go on in chapter 11 verse 6 to say now without faith it's impossible to please God meaning you can't please God unless you have faith 
In James, in chapter 2, James is the coolest book in all of the Bible. I'm always, of all the things we want to promote, we don't want to promote the Building Fund campaign. We want to promote reading God's word. Man, this book is awesome. It's alive. James is the coolest. If you have ADHD, you want to read the book of James. Super easy. Guys all over the place, and everything is great. And, uh, and anyways, in the book of James, he, he talks about how, how your faith is important that others know that they can see it. He said, if you tell me you have faith in Jesus, but you don't have anything in your life that shows me that you have faith in Jesus, then you don't have faith in Jesus. He says, faith without works is dead. He says, he says if you say that you believe in Jesus, even demons in hell believe in Jesus. So what I need you to know is that I want to see your faith by the actions in your life. And so when we're talking about making a difference, what it starts is what, what has God done in you? Now be a witness only of that. You don't have to be great to, to, to be a witness. I'm telling you right now, when you look at the disciples, they're mostly morons. They weren't good in their careers. They were like dropouts. They didn't make it in school. We, literally, you don't know this, but if you studied Hebrew, Jewish tradition, you would know they didn't, they didn't make it in, in, in the Talmud. Uh, you know, they, they didn't make it in, in Beit Safar. They, didn't, they, they, they weren't good. They were throwbacks. And perfect enough for Jesus to anoint them with his spirit so that the world would know, these guys aren't smart until my spirit comes on them. And that's what you got to rely on is not in your ability. Actually, rely on your inability partnered with God moving in your life. I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference like a little girl who would just be consistent enough to do small things in other people's lives in a way that God could use me. There was a whole sermon that I was supposed to speak, and I got pretty far off track. I'm pretty sorry about that. But so far, I think it's all right and pretty good, and hopefully you're learning something. Um, here's here's, here's what, um, what I know is that there is a problem that's happening in the world, and it's, it's a big, big crisis. I want to imagine something. This paper here. I'm using these papers for everything here today. This is my illustration. Imagine uh, that you want to make a difference in this world. And I think if um, if we maybe didn't use Christianity as an example, probably the coolest, most powerful thing that could make a difference is like, imagine this paper had the cure to cancer on it. And I gave this out and I said, hey, Rico, Rico's always my guinea pig for everything. Rico, that's the cure to the cancer. He would have a responsibility to make sure that that reaches the world. Not that he gets rich and finds a way to provide for his family because of it, but that that makes it into the universe because hundreds of thousands, millions of people are dying of cancer and we need the cure. What if it was the cure to AIDS? What if it was the cure to hunger and we like, we can solve world hunger like, hey, it's your job and your responsibility to get it out. I'm not trying to minimize suffering. But friends, I think what we've done unintentionally is minimized the power of the gospel and the responsibility that we actually have. Because it is a greater tragedy, not that some of us would die of cancer, 
or of AIDS or of hunger or of loneliness, but of sin. The scripture says that the wages of sin is death. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there is none righteous, no, not one. When the wages of sin is death, friends, you and I both have a death sentence. I'm going to die. I am living my life. The Bible says my life is a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. And this is not an altar call. This is just real conversation. My life is going to end. It may end this week, in a month from now, in 10 years from now. But the reality is that my life is only a blip on the radar of history. And you're going to die. And your friend is going to die. And the reason why we're going to die is because the wages of sin is death. And we've all sinned. And so all of us are going to die. But the gift of God is the cure to cancer. It is the cure to AIDS. It is the cure to depression. The gift of God is the reality that we have eternal life. Like it's, he is the resurrection and the life. He is the promise that I'll see you again, that we won't taste death. That, that mm, when I close my eyes on this earth, I awake to another reality far more glorious than this. Like it's not just about heaven, it's about Jesus. And the reality is, is that the world has to know that Jesus is alive and that Jesus is not a fairy tale, and that he's a healer and a lover of our soul. And he, you see, I'm not trying to like motivate you today. What I'm trying to recognize is like we've diminished the reality of the responsibility we have and the urgency that we should have to make sure that dude dying on his couch with tuberculosis has someone knocking. And the reality is, is they're going to push us away. And they're going to tell us no. And they're going to say, you're an idiot. I remember when I got saved. I'm going to tell you a quick rabbit trail. Can I tell you a story? Story. I'm going to tell you a story. I remember when I got saved. I, um, I was in a car accident. I was on drugs. And I was hit by a car. And I got home with a concussion. I'm bleeding all over myself. And my mom's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, lady, who are you? And why are you in my house? And she's like, okay, that ain't right. She called the paramedics. I went to the hospital. While I was in the hospital, a man came and visited me. His name was Ben DeBoof. You guessed it. I thought he was an idiot. Anyone named DeBoof. I mean, come on. I can't take any life advice from this guy. And he came to tell me that Jesus was good and that God loved me and he had a plan for my life. And I thought, sure, Jack, whatever. See you later. I got out of the hospital the next day. And that night, I was in a car accident again. People are going to reject you. People are going to say you're stupid. But the reality is I needed someone that would climb through that. He became my youth pastor, said the sinner's prayer over me, led me to Jesus and brought me to my first youth camp where the Holy Spirit filled me. People are supposed to reject you. Jesus said they rejected him. They're going to reject you. The reality is, is the father is saying, like, like that mother at Disney is saying, somebody find my child. And we're walking around all kinds of people lost. And we're busy. And we've missed the heart of God by trying to make money, by trying to fill our time with fun stuff and our Instagram with cool places we want to visit. And all the while, we're forgetting to live with eternity in mind. 
I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference for an eternity. I think I have another scripture. I'm not sure. I'm supposed to end with something cool here. Yeah, here it is. Okay. So like, um, man, it's hot in here. I wish I was buff because then this would be like a cool moment, you know. <laughs> Ripping this off here, you know. Um, uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> Craig Rochelle, Steve Furtick, all those guys. All right. Um, so what I want you to know is that like um, going is designed to look differently for us because you and I look different. We sound different. I love that our church is becoming more multicultural. I love that our church is becoming older and younger. I love, like, yeah, man, we go door witnessing on Saturdays, and uh, the best door witnesser in our church is 10 years old, and he is a beast, man, and he loves going. He loves telling people, hey, you should come to the park with us because we're going to be there celebrating the Lord. He's so good at it, and I want you to know if a kid can do it, you can do it. You know, like, like you don't, don't disqualify yourself. Anyways, um, you're supposed to be different in the way that you present the gospel than me. Um, and oftentimes some of you are like, I'm not good at saying it. Moses is probably the greatest leader known to man and he couldn't talk. So like you're designed differently, but the way you present the gospel, some of you can do it on social media. Some of you can get, you just got to get more creative. You got to double down in discovering what your giftings are. And it starts by learning to say, yes, Lord. Yes. I want to be on a serve team. Yes. I want to be in a connect group. Yes. I want to go on a missions trip. Yes, I want to go to an outreach and feed people and go and like, you just got to get better at saying yes, Lord. And in the process, the Holy Spirit will awaken you to discover the God-given gifts that he put inside of you. But you got to know we're living in a day and age where the world's getting darker and they need Christ and ever more impressing, we have a responsibility to do. So Jesus is trying to tell us what it looks like. Who do we present the gospel to? What does go look like for you? And in a couple of different places, one, James would say, it looked, real religion looks like going to the widows and the orphans and learning to surrender to the Lord. Uh, yeah, pure and, and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. This is, this is what pure religion looks like, going to those that are hopeless. Jesus would say it this way. He tells a story, and for the sake of time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it simpler. He said that I was in prison, and some of you came to see me. Some of you have a prison ministry you can start right now. It would change the life of a whole lot of people who have no one coming. Some of you have an, you, uh, he said, I was, I was an orphan, and you came to see me. I didn't know what that meant until last week. When we went to Guatemala, there was this little girl that wanted to become best friends with my daughter. They couldn't speak the same language, so it was the weirdest thing seeing them hang out together every day, having nothing to say to each other but braid each other's hair and play with each other. But what I didn't understand is that this week and next week and the following week and the following week and the following, no one's coming to visit her. She's not going to have any snuggle time. She's not going to have anyone personally touch her in a way that is holy, pure, and good, and genuine, until maybe she's 18. And so it was so wild that they were so touched that we came to visit them. Man, we could have told them we were Santa Claus and they would have wanted to accept it because they wanted to be loved. Jesus said, I was in prison 
I was an orphan. I was naked. I was hungry. You came to me. There are people that are in your life right next to you. And that's your goal. And a lot of them are broken and they're hiding from you. Hurt people don't want to be found until you fight through it. And then they, they'll never, they'll fight for you for the rest of your life. Find your goal. And it starts with learning to say yes in so many ways uh, that you, you, you're just looking for opportunity for God to use you. Do everything. Get in every connect group. Get in every serve team. Get, go to every outreach we're doing. Witness to all your coworkers. Like, and what I have learned as a, let me just explain this to you as a father. If one of my children was lost and you went out of your way to help one, find one of my kids, I would give anything in my life to reward you. And this is the heart of the father because you're not required to do this. So when you do it, it's because you love him and you can have anything when you understand that the most important things are making a difference in his sons and daughters that he's dying to come back home for. You with me? We're a church that wants to make a difference. And uh, I'm proud of our church because we are a church that is very much all in. But I know there are some that are still kind of watching. And um, I think it's not your fault, television, and social media has taught you how to make things as a presentation. But please understand, I'm not involved in your relationship with God. Everything we're doing here is simply just trying to show you the Holy Spirit speaking about the call of God on your life. Would you all mind bowing your heads and closing your eyes? And Deb, would you come? Um, hey, um, there are some here that you're not right with God and you know it. There's sin in your life and you're not. If you died right now, oof. if you're not right with God today and today you say, I choose to make massive changes in my life to put Jesus first. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, would you raise your hand right now? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Look at me really quick. For those of you that raised your hand, you need to be baptized in water. You need to go to a pastor. You need to say, hey, look, I, I need to make changes. And I need you to help me. Don't hide this. If you want to change, then you go and you change. Or the cycle repeats itself but I needed people to help me and you'll need people to help you. Do you understand that? For those that raise their hand right now, the five or six of them, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit falls on them right now. I pray that you show them by the power of your love, your commitment to them from the cross of Calvary, how you love them, how you're proud of them, how you love them right where they are, how you see so much strength in them. I pray that you show them the plan that you have for them. I pray that you wash them in your Holy Spirit by the power of the blood of Jesus. 
and fall on them right now. In Jesus' name. Well, this is how we're going to end the service today. I wanted to lay hands on as many of you as I could. The Bible says we should lay hands on one another to stir up the gift of God that's inside of each other. In other words, my faith activates your faith. In just a minute, I'm going to ask some of the elders and staff members to come down and, uh, and stand here. But before we do that, if you're here today and you believe there's a call of God on your life to answer the go, but you've not been going, you've not been doing or fulfilling or carrying the greatest message in all the universe with urgency, and today you're asking that the Lord would break your heart for the lost and that he would send you somewhere to somebody that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed in this room right now, would you stand to your feet? I want to go for Jesus. Send me, Lord. If you can't stand here, you won't stand out there. I want to go. Don't look around. You're not doing it for anyone else. This is you and him. Holy Spirit's on you right now, and he's telling you, I'm sending you. Jesus. All right. I believe this is a holy moment. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask you guys that are standing, if you just come down to the front right here, and uh, I'm going to pray over you. We're just going to linger here and uh, let this take as long as it needs. Come on down front and just kind of face this direction right here. It was in a moment just like this that my life was changed. Um, when, I, when I fell in love with my wife, there was this overwhelming sense of how beautiful she was and how much I didn't deserve her. And I began to realize there's nothing I wouldn't do for her. I think when you fall in love with the Lord, there's this, there's this act of like, God, I just want to, I just want to, I just want to. And I don't know what I want to is, but I just want to. And that is the grounds for the Holy Spirit to move. We're just going to begin singing and worshiping. And I'm just going to have you just worship. And what we're going to do is we're going to anoint you with oil and just pray that God just begins to break your heart for people that's not you. That you begin to see people's hurts and you've got to do something. You've got to empty your wallet. You've got to, you've got to figure out what, what, what can I give? What can I say? How can I hug? How long can I stay? What, what God, what in me can help anything in them? And he'll just begin to show you words. I'm going to pray, and Deb's going to sing, and y'all are going to lift your hands, and we're going to come pray over you. Is that cool? And all of y'all out there, I'm going to pray for these folks from where you're at. Jesus, I thank you for your Holy Spirit being here. I thank you for the call of God. I thank you for people that want to make a difference for you. I thank you for people that are marked uh, by, by your calling. And I pray that you'd give them assignment. I pray that you'd send them to specific people, specific co-workers, specific family members, specific classmates. God, I pray that you would help them to see those that are stuck 
and, and then they would see the promises of God and they'd see the miraculous and they'd, they'd begin to believe for signs and wonders and they'd begin to believe for the impossible and they would have words and wisdom and things that they didn't know before. And I pray that you would fall on them, fall on them, fall on them right now by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, would you guys sing? Thank you for joining us at The Way today. Our prayer is that through a relationship with Jesus, you would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit us online at thewaylakeland.com or by visiting our Facebook page at The Way Lakeland or Instagram page at The Way Church Lakeland.